0: Hello and welcome to the After Sermon Podcast, where we learn about a Bible topic, character, or concept. And today we're learning about sin and the sanctuary solution as we study the sermon, Vessel of Promise.
1: The law is bound to God's heart eternally, it cannot be separated from Him, and therefore the heart of God is broken. Uh, when he witnessed his sin. But the
0: thing is about this new covenant, you can't see it externally. It's all about the internal. It's all about what's
1: happening in the heart, the, the inner transformation. Christ came to show us that law of love and that law of freedom in action. Let's follow him, uh, knowing that he loves us enough to die for us.
0: Hi, my name is Christopher, and ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat because we have a very esteemed guest with us. We have someone who is who's joining us for the podcast the first time. It is the one and only Alex Martin. <laughs> Hello. Now, uh, Alex, the uh, viewers, we, we need to get a, we need to learn a little bit about you uh, mm-hmm. before we continue on with our sermon. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. What are you doing? What are you? What are your hobbies? What do you like? What, I, don't, I don't know. Whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs>
1: uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm a Bible worker. Uh, that's my job. Um, I do that in Hamilton, in Newcastle, uh, New South Wales, Australia, of course. And, um, I, I love the Bible, um, and I love to preach and, uh, I suppose that's what has brought me here. <laughs> um, and I just love people. Um, I, I, really love to, um, to build relationships with them and to point them toward a God who deeply loves them, deeply cares for them and, uh, wants them to know exactly who he is and what he's all about. Nice. That's really good to hear. And of course, uh,
0: I know Alex, because I myself am currently attending Hamilton as part of uh, my studies. So if you're ever in the area, why don't you come down and visit us? Come say hi to myself and Alex. We'll, uh, we'll say hi to you, give you a handshake. Mm. And we'll probably, hopefully do a little more than that as well. We'll, we'll talk to you for a bit. Uh, and yeah, come on down and visit us. That'd be great. All right, well, Alex, let's get into the recap. But just before we do, if you haven't watched the sermon, Vessel of Promise, go to the link below, come back here later, because this podcast is full of spoilers. So with yeah. that out of the way, let's get into our quick recap. We begin at the verse
1: in exodus chapter 25 verse 8 Uh, it i believe is the foundational verse for the sanctuary if you want to know what the sanctuary is all about go to exodus chapter 25 verse 8 and god will tell you himself he says let them make me a sanctuary that i may dwell among them i think this is really beautiful because it expresses god's greatest desire for us is that we would be with him And there's an issue, though, is that we're not with him. Uh, He's he's not here face to face with us, unfortunately. And the reason why is because of sin. And initially, it separated us physically from him. Um, But that wasn't the greatest issue. The greatest issue is that it separated us relationally from God. And I find that that's the greatest problem that we have, is that we have found it difficult to relate to God because of sin and God wants to relate to us again and the beautiful thing is, is that uh, in the sanctuary he teaches us all about how we can relate to him and how he can relate to us and we were looking particularly at what the Ark of the Covenant represents in uh, in God dwelling among us it's all about the law of God the Ark of the Covenant is about the law of God but. It's really not all about the law of God. It's all about Jesus. And um, part of Jesus is that he has a, a perfect law written in his heart. And that is the law of love and the law of freedom. And so Christ came to show us that law of love and that law of freedom in action. And so the Ark of the Covenant represents... Jesus coming down and being among us. The law is bound to God's heart eternally. It cannot be separated from him. So just like the law is engraved in stones and cannot be removed from those stones, the law is written on God's heart, on Jesus' heart, and cannot be removed from it. Therefore, when the law is broken, whatever it is written on is broken with it. And therefore the heart of God was broken uh, when he witnessed sin. And so I believe that this is, this, this, the sanctuary is pointing us toward a, a very different God that a lot of people believe in, um, a, a very different God that um, people picture as far as relating to his law. And so when we think of the law breaking our father God's heart, uh, we might relate, it, uh, relate to the law a little bit differently than we would otherwise. And so when we look at these commandments, we see God and his character first. And therefore, knowing that God is the one who brought uh, these people out of Egypt, he's the same God who brought us out of the land of slavery, out of bondage to sin. And therefore, let's follow him, uh, knowing that he loves us enough to die for us. right so let's get into our personal takeaways guys what do you think sorry what do you get out of this sermon nice well I think
0: for me the big takeaway that I got was how everything really is tied together by this theme of love Um, and I hadn't like you think about it all the time right like oh yeah God's all about love and that's why he died for us and all these sorts of things Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think that the way that you looked at the sanctuary and specifically the Ark of the Covenant really uh, really informed that. Like, for example, um, the idea of the Ten Commandments representing, like, God's heart, you know, in in a sense. Like, And so when the law was broken, God's heart was broken as well. I was like, whoa, that's a really interesting thing because, yeah, we always talk about this idea, you know, Again, oh, well, when you sin, you hurt God. Mm. And we don't really ever put it into any more specific terms than that. It's often very vague and mm. just like, oh, yeah, you hurt God. And you're like, well, how do I hurt God? Right. But when you say, like, when you break the law, you break God's heart, the two are uh, synonymous. They work together like that. It suddenly becomes a lot more real. And you go, oh, like, mm. I'm, I'm starting to get more of a, a, a more of an image, more of a picture of what it means uh, to sin against God. Mm. And I think often, uh, sometimes we try and justify sin by saying, well, it's not hurting anyone, you know? Like, for example, lying is a really good one. Well, if no one gets hurt by the lie, it's totally fine, right? Or, you know, no one's going to get hurt if uh, I take something and they they don't even know that it's gone, you know? They won't miss it like this. Um, And so we always try and justify these these sins. But there is someone who gets hurt. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's, we, we, we need to think outside of ourselves. It's not just us. Mm. Uh, it may not even be the people immediate around us. Mm. God is there as well, and he, is, uh, he gets hurt every time we sin. Mm. And I think as well, uh, another vivid image, uh, it kind of leads me on to that as well, Jesus bore every sin on the cross so in that way sin also hurts God yeah in that it hurts Jesus and, and like it, when you think about the, the the fact that sometimes we so flippantly sin um, or we try and justify sin and it's like no every sin and still has to end up on Jesus like yeah, right. you can try and justify it as much as you want but it's still going to end up on the shoulders of Jesus on that cross right. yeah. like that's really um that's a really profound thing to think about as real and you really get a greater understanding for god's love because Mm. you begin to think like okay god like i've hurt you a lot why on earth do you Mm. even want me like Mm. Mm. why is it that you're so desperate to have a relationship with me when i'm like the most abusive person to have a relationship with like if i saw that with uh you know uh with people I go, oh, my goodness, you need to get out. That's not a healthy relationship, you know. He says he's sorry, and then he does the same thing again the very next day. I'd be, boom, out of there. Um, But, yeah, God just, he's so patient, so long-suffering, and he's Mm. willing to put up with us in spite of ourselves Mm. because he loves us that much. Um, It's amazing. Yeah, and uh, I was thinking about this. Somebody mentioned this in a one of my classes today, the verse where, Jesus, uh, where God says, I think it's in Jeremiah chapter 32. He says like, I will be their God and they will be my people. Or it might be Jeremiah 31. Either or, could be both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking to myself, and then, he, and then he finished it with, you know, God is basically saying, I will be yours and you will be mine. Yeah. yeah. And I thought about that. I was like, that sounds very familiar. I'm like, that's kind of like the language that people use when they're trying to explain marriage, right? Mm. That you basically during the ceremony say, "I commit to be yours, mm. and you commit to be mine." We we surrender ourselves over to each other. We we enter into this relationship or this covenant—the mm. uh, kind of more fancy term for it—which is just like you enter into a relationship with where you make a promise to the other person.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. I want to enter the, into this relationship with you and i was like wow oh, wow okay mm. like okay i'm starting to get more of a better image now of how the idea of uh marriage kind of reflects to god mm. and his relationship with us And i was mm. like yeah but again god why do you want a relationship with me so badly like yeah. uh yeah uh, I j- it, it, it just, yeah, it really takes a lot to get your head around how much God loves us the more you begin to look uh, at this topic.
1: I love, uh, I love how he points, points us toward that, um, that similarity of the marriage relationship mm. between God and his people. Yeah. And it really helps you to understand the way and the degree to which God wants a relationship with us. Yeah because you you look at the very personal journey that God has with the Israelites mm. and you look at the language that he uses and it's so it's 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 so bound to a relational uh, perspective that God is mm. is trying to say uh, like when he says I will be your God you'll be my people mm. it's not just saying you will believe in, in me instead of other gods and, and I, will, I will be your God and, and that will ha- is how I will be known. It's God saying, I want to belong to you and I want you to belong to me. Mm. And sin has taken us away from belonging to God. And all God wants is to say, hey, you don't have to have that life. I can save you from from that, that alienation from me. And you can be mine again mm. and it's such a beautiful thing and i think that's i, I believe that's why god holds marriage so highly he, the bible says that he hates divorce mm-hmm. and when you think about it when you make marriage vows in today's day and age marriage vows are, are not treated as vows whatsoever they're not treated as promises just part of the ceremony you just have right. to kind of say them right and then perhaps it's a part of um it just the feelings of the time, but you know, the feelings pass and then therefore so do the vows, but God highly values marriage. Mm. And it says that he hates divorce. And I think it's because it points him back to the fact that we have left him. Yeah. Uh, sin has caused us to d- depart from our loving creator. And yet God doesn't, doesn't abandon his vows to us mm. god made a vow to us that he will be our god we may may have made vows time after time to him that we would be his people but he does and and yet we break it all the time right we go and sin again we do, do the wrong thing but god sticks to his vows mm. and that's him saying hey when i say something i mean it and i'm, I'm sticking by it and it just shows his, his love and kindness. He just doesn't give up on it. Mm. It's amazing. I think
0: I think if our listeners at home want to learn a bit more about this idea of God and the um, marriage relationship and how that kind of parallel works, the book of Hosea is a really good example. Because mm. it's all about God tells Hosea, go and grab yourself a wife. And Hosea's like, okay, I will. And he's like, make sure she's a prostitute. And he's like, what? What do you want? And he's like... Yeah, I'm going I'm to teach Israel a lesson through your life. Mm. Um, in the same way that, you know, a, obviously a prostitute isn't dedicated to one person. He says, mm. y- you, you guys do the same in that you don't respect your relationship with me. You go off yeah. and you sin and you betray me. He goes, I want like that to be a visual image. And mm. what we see is, despite Hosea's wife continually abandoning him mm. uh, and getting herself into trouble... Hosea always comes back to rescue her. In the same way, God is always there to rescue him. So go read the book of Hosea. And if you want to learn even more about that topic, uh, one of our hosts, Mr. Jesse Marks, did an entire sermon on that. So you can go check out his sermon on his YouTube uh, channel, Jesse Marks. That sermon is called The Prodigal Wife. And, of course, as per usual, we have an After sermon podcast episode on it. Episode 6, our Valentine's Day special. Make sure to check that one out if you want to learn more about uh, God, the marriage relationship, and the story of Hosea. Quite a good story, if you ask me. Um, So, let's get into the main meat of the podcast, which is the cutting room floor. What is the cutting room floor, you might ask? Well, it is the segment where we discuss the parts of the sermon that didn't quite make it into the final product, and we break them down. So, Alex, what good bits of information do you have to impart to share with us today?
1: Well, uh, it's interesting because this sermon began as a Bible study a few months ago. Oh, nice. And it's uh, I had to take some of the things out of the study in order to expand on... Uh, on a couple of things in the sermon, mm. so I've taken some of those things out. But we have a beautiful opportunity here to look at it. So let me grab this. Oh, there we go. That's
0: perfect. This is where this podcast was invented <laughs> specifically yes, for right. that.
1: That's right. So if you want to uh, know some of the verses here, jot them down. Uh, Exodus twenty-five, verse eight. Genesis chapter one and two. Go, go for it and read that. Exodus chapter thirty-one, verse eighteen. We've got Romans chapter 13 verse 10, James chapter 1 verse 25, Exodus chapter 32 verse 15 to 19, Psalm chapter 40 verse 7 to 8, Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33. So we're just lining up the, the Ark of the Covenant with Christ here and when you look at those verses... Just think about how I might be able to relate to jesus i've covered those things in the actual sermon itself so you can go ahead and listen to that if you'd like or explore on your own and uh, you might find a lot more than than i've found myself that's the beauty of the word of god nice so we found that in exodus chapter 26 verse 34 the ark was crowned with mercy just as christ was in uh, psalm 103 verse 4 it says that he's crowned with mercy but it doesn't just end there. So we've got all these parallels to the ark representing Christ. The the law being in the mountain, written on stones, brought down to the people, and broken. That represents the law written on Jesus' heart, coming down, uh, becoming flesh, and uh, his heart being broken by sin, and the presence of sin. Him being crowned with mercy, and the ark of the covenant being crowned with mercy itself. And you might have heard in the sermon but if you didn't the if you're wondering what the ark of the covenant might mean we don't use those two words ark and covenant (laughs) very much right yeah yeah, we we might think of ark as as uh, the noah's ark Ark, right Mm, big boat (laughs) right a big boat but it wasn't a big boat it was in fact just a vessel so another word for ark is vessel so we've got vessel, and then covenant, that's a, a kind of an old word that we, we like to use. I love the word. But another mm. word for that is promise. Mm. And so we've got the vessel of promise. The Ark of the Covenant, the vessel of promise. And so you look at Christ and how he came. And the Bible says that there was a body prepared for, for him. And that is, um, That there was a vessel prepared for Christ to dwell in um, as he dwelt as a man. And so he took on flesh. He's the vessel. Not only that, but he's a vessel of promised. He is, after all, called the promised one, uh, the promised one to come. And he indeed brought the greatest promise there is, and that is the promise of salvation and eternity with him. So we've lined up all of these things with Christ and how the sanctuary and the ark is pointing toward Jesus uh, coming down and doing a wonderful work for us be with us again but it goes further if we go to Joshua chapter 3 verse 3 there's more parallels that we can draw and I I believe that God has put these gems in his scriptures for us to discover and um, just feed off to understand him further his wisdom and his love so Joshua chapter 3 verse 3 so this verse uh, it's talking about Israel's journey into the promised land so Let's, let's read that. That's the context, Israel's journey. And they're, they're coming from Egypt, remember? They were taken out of bondage, out of the house of bondage, representing sin. And so they were freed. They were in the desert, but they were being led to the promised land that God had prepared just for them to live in and dwell in in peace. Let's read that.
0: Awesome. It says, And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it.
1: Great. So what went before the Israelites into the promised land? The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. Mm. So it stands as the the thing that is leading the Israelites. Uh, It's interesting because in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, uh, we can read that actually. Let's read it. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. It's a wonderful verse, and it's another promise that God gives us. The Bible is full of promises, and we can claim every single one of them and be assured that God sticks to them. Mm. So Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verse 8. It says, And the Lord, he is
0: the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you.
1: Do not fear nor be dismayed. Wow, so there's many promises here, but the one that I want to focus on is that the Lord goes before you. Mm. So what went before the Israelites into the promised land?
0: Ark of the Covenant.
1: The Ark of the Covenant. And who goes before us, according to Deuteronomy? God does. God does. Mm. So God goes before us. And where did Jesus go after he ministered to us here on earth and paid the ultimate price to save us? Our souls in the heavenly sanctuary in the heavenly sanctuary right so he went to heaven Uh, John chapter 14 this is a really really great verse I love it it expresses God's desires once more through Christ it's really it's one of my favorite verses in fact John chapter 14 verse verse 1 to verse 3 awesome
0: Jesus says let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions, if it were not so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. It's a mm. bit of a reversal, isn't it? So back in Exodus God says, Make me a house, mm. and now Jesus is here saying I'm
1: preparing a house for you. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that's really cool. I I have never thought of that before. That's awesome. It's amazing. In fact, God says when uh, when David, the king of Israel, he wants to build God a house, right? He wants to build him a permanent sanctuary. So we've got the sanctuary that was uh, in the desert with Moses, but then David comes along and he says... This tent is not good enough for my God. Mm. How can we dwell in houses while God dwells uh, in a tent? And so he says, let me make a house for my God. But God stops him. And he says, in in, uh, a rhetorical question, he says, will you build me a house? Will you make me a house? And then he goes on to say how, how he has provided for the Israelites and how he has done a work in their lives. And God says, I'm the one who builds you a house. Mm. And so here we see that Jesus wants to build us a house. It's beautiful.
0: And it's interesting, again, coming back to this idea of how we can sometimes turn our backs on God. Later on, the Israelites, they say, appoint us a king. We really want a king. Mm. Um, And the prophet Samuel at the time he's like, you guys don't need a king. Like, God is your leader. You don't need a human leader over you. Mm. You just need God. They say, no, 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 we want a king, we want a king. And Samuel goes to God, and he's like, God, I don't think this is a good idea. And God's like, look, this really hurts me, but Mm. let them do what they want to do. But give them fair warning that their king is going to suck. And so Samuel tells them, Mm. hear all the bad things that your king's going to do. And what did the people say? It says um, in 1 Samuel 8, 19, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. They said, no, we will have a king over us, that we may also be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us, go out before us and fight our battles. Interesting, the same wording is used there, right? Go out before mm. us, like the Ark of the Covenant went mm. before as we read in Deuteronomy, mm. God goes before the people. and Essentially, the people are saying, we don't want God to go out before us anymore. Wow. We want a human leader to be the person that we go out and follow. Mm. And you can imagine then why God is so hurt by that. Mm. Um, not, and not just the Israelites then, how often do we still today put other things before God and say, no, nah, God, like, you're cool and all, but I'd rather have this thing or this person go out before me. We often idolize other things yeah, um, in place of God. Wow, that's a really good point. Um, actually, I want to, if you don't mind, I want to stick in First Samuel for a bit because yeah, I've, been, I've been reading this in my devotions and I'm like, it's such a random book. Like, it's so good, though. Um, it's just full of heaps of cool stories. And, like, for... The first few chapters are all about Samuel, and then from chapters five through to seven, this like the main character of the story is the Ark of the Covenant. Mm. It's really weird, mm. and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, why are we spending so much time talking about the Ark of the Covenant? Like, what is exactly the relevance? And uh, what's interesting is that eventually, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, Gets stolen by yeah. the Philistines. Right. And we're told that this daughter, uh, the, the, this lady who was a daughter of one of the men that got killed in the battle with the Philistines, she calls her kid Ichabod. Ichabod. Ichabod, yeah, just a casual name. And it, uh, and it means the glory has departed from Israel. Uh, and she says it again, verse 22 of uh, 1 Samuel 4. The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. Mm. And you're just like, okay, like that's cool. Like, I don't know why we decided to mention Ichabod, but fair enough. But then later on in the story, when uh, Saul is made king, Saul tells the guy Ichabod. Ichabod comes back, and you're like, oh, whoa, he's back. Yeah. And he tells him, bring the ark of the covenant. So he brings the ark of the covenant, and he wants him to use it as like a. Uh, kind of like a, a a tool of divination. He wants to know if he's going to win in this battle. Mm. Um, and then what's interesting is Ichabod like starts to do his stuff with the Ark and then Saul's like, oh, whatever, I'm just going to go into battle. But uh, in that same chapter, we're told then uh, after Saul directly disobeys God that the spirit of God departed Saul, mm. which is very similar language to the glory of God has departed when we first met Ichabod. So in two stories in 1 Samuel, with Ichabod almost as like the the Mm. signal to us, the reader, to look out for this, we have the ark of God is captured and Ichabod's name means God's glory has departed. And then when Saul disobeys God and Ichabod's there again, Mm. again, we're told that God's glory, or God's spirit departs from Saul. Mm. And so I thought it was interesting. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how to get around this? Like, so is, is the, is the kind of relevance there that almost ourselves as vessels can in like be a part, sort of symbolize the, the, the arc part of the covenant, if you get what I mean, Mm -hmm. because it's where God's presence is. Mm -hmm. And so we have this choice. Do we want God's presence to dwell in us Mm -hmm. or are we going to push him away? I'm not sure if the. The, the, the analogy is quite right, but th- that's what I'm sort of thinking through. Mm. Um, yeah, we have this choice. Do we want God's presence in us or not? Mm. Um, and I was thinking to myself, okay, but if we're, we're looking at the sanctuary model, right, uh, it's a process of our spiritual journey, right? So we accept Jesus' sacrifice. We are baptized, which is the laver. We eat of the bread of life, which is Jesus. And so what we would say is, you know, we haven't entered the holy place, which is, finally being reunited with Jesus. But here we seem to have this parallel where God's presence can be in us, like it's like the Covenant. So I was like, hang on, but we're not. Can we? Can that make sense? And then I was thinking of the idea that the kingdom of God kind of rules in this principle of already but not yet. Uh. Um, Like we have eternal life, but you're still going to die. So it's like you already have it, but Mm. not quite yet. Right. Um, and there are a lot of promises fulfilled like that until we really get to heaven like you already have it like it's uh, it, it's there on reserve for you mm. you just don't have it yet and I so I think to myself maybe that's how that parallel can still work of us being at the Ark of the Covenant stage God's presence is still with us mm. but it hasn't been fully realized in that we are able to fully dwell with God which is Mm-hmm. As you were saying before, his, his end goal, he just wants to dwell with us. So. Absolutely.
1: And there's a, a verse that came to my mind that we can, through Christ, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Mm-hmm. And so Christ has made a way that we can dwell with God, not just in the future, physically present with him face to face, But now, in a very real way, we can have his presence with us and we can be with him. And it says that uh, we are dwelling with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Mm. And so, God actually tells us um, through Christ, we can dwell with him again. And essentially, Christ points toward this time after time about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. the kingdom of god is um is not so much a uh, a physical kingdom here on earth but it is in our hearts and jesus mm. points to many parables to the way that god's kingdom operates and christ is the one who restores that yeah in fact in that verse uh, i believe it's jeremiah what was it jeremiah 31 verse 33 well, yeah, well, let's turn there. Oh, yeah. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 33. 33 or uh, 30, 31? Sorry, 31. Oh.
0: 31 verse 33. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 31 33 says, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be
1: my people. Wow, isn't that beautiful? I didn't realize this mm. before, but notice how it says, this is the covenant mm. that I'll make with them in these days. I will write my law on their hearts. And so the the operation is, not, is, is beginning here where the law is written on our hearts. Mm. That's what the, the kingdom of God is all about. It's about Christ entering into our hearts and changing us to look more like him.
0: Yeah, uh, I like, Paul Paul picks up on that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and he says, You are our epistle written on our hearts, known and read by all men. Mm. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, clearly referencing the Ten Commandments, mm. but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Once again, emphasizing this idea of being in the New Covenant, and then he goes to talk all about uh, the glory of, of the old covenant compared to the glory of the new covenant mm. oh oh beautiful okay so i just remembered, and so when you keep going through this his whole comparison is that the old covenant was all about the external so when mm. moses comes down with the ten commandments uh his face is glowing with like god's glory right and everyone's like oh put it back put it back mm. uh, and he says but the new covenant he says the glory of the new covenant which has powerful life and the old covenant was only death he goes how much greater do you think the glory of the new covenant is? And he says, but the thing is about this new covenant, you can't see it externally. Wow. It's all about the internal. It's all about what's happening in the heart, the, yeah. the inner transformation. He says in uh, chapter 4, verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels mm. that the excellence of the power of God may be of God, uh, that the excellence of the power of, may be of God and not of us. Mm. Once again, this idea on the outside, a... Uh, earthen vessel which mm, vessel of promise let's keep going back mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> an earthen vessel mm. it doesn't look that fancy on the outside it's not about the external but inside it has treasure inside it has the gospel message and there's that transformation beginning mm. the kingdom of God is taking place mm. it's a spiritual reality in that person and through them they're able to
1: extend the kingdom of God to other people Wow that's beautiful that's that is beautiful. a really great parallel. And that's what the that is absolutely what the new covenant is all about. Mm. Is that God does a work inside us? That's beautiful. I love. love yeah. This.
0: We beautiful. We are having some good discussions today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure are. Nice. Got anything else for us? I do. There's uh, some beautiful verses. How much time do we have? Uh, we can go on for about another five minutes. Okay, I've got five minutes. I, I think I can cover it. Let's go. Let's go to Revelation chapter 21 and verse
0: 3. Revelation chapter
1: 21 verse
0: 3. Cool. It says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them. Pardon me. God himself will be with them and be their God.
1: Great. Okay. So it says, I heard a loud voice. Shout from heaven. Mm. Okay, so let's go to, uh, and it said, the dwelling of God is with men uh, and he will be their God and they will be his people. So this is once again pointing us back to how God wants to dwell with us in such an intimate way that we are his and he is ours. Mm. And this is bringing us back to that beautiful relationship with him. And in fact, it points to this in Joshua chapter six. Keep your finger in Revelation. Okay. Let's go to Joshua chapter 6 and we we'll look at the fall of Jericho. And so the Israelites are now on their way to the promised land. Okay, so Jesus entered the promised land before the people, but this is before the people enter the promised land. So Joshua uh, chapter 6 this is all about the fall of Jericho. And this is in fact the last. Uh, obstacle before entering into the promised land is Jericho, the last city that is in their way. And so the people were on their way to the promised land, led by the ark, but Jericho was in the way. And verse 1 says that the gates of Jericho were were shut up securely. Okay, mm. So keep that in mind. The gates of Jericho were shut up securely. Verse 6 to verse 10, you want to read that? 6 to verse 10. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the
0: priests and said to them, "...take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord." And he said to the people, "...proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord." Mm. So it was, when Joshua had spoken to the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord followed them. The armed went, The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets... And the rear guard came after the ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout! Then you shall shout.
1: Okay, so we've got shout, and that might draw you back to Revelation 21 verse 3, where there was Mm. a shout from heaven when god was dwelling among his people again so this this interaction happening now we've got some more parallels here let's read verse 20 before we um, enter into this part
0: sure verse 20 says the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout Mm. that the wall fell down flat
1: there we go wonderful okay so let's draw these parallels this is beautiful how it finishes here keep going so if you if you heard right, uh, the verse said that there were seven trumpets. That was the amount of trumpets. Seven trumpets that went before the ark. So seven trumpets went before the ark in uh, the story of Jericho. The ark was carried around uh, uh, before them, around Jericho. The trumpets were blown. There was a great shout and the walls came down, which were shut up securely. The walls came down and the victory was one. So let's go to Revelation. Um, actually, we don't have the particular verses here. I, I believe it's in Revelation chapter 11. We can read of the trumpets of God. And there are, in fact, seven trumpets of God. Do you know what the the book of Revelation is all about? Well, I suppose it's the, the climax of all of this earth's history, right? Right. So it comes to an end in mm. Revelation. Yeah. So Revelation is pointing to us toward the end times, right? Mm. Uh But before that, it's all about Christ. Yeah. Every book of the Bible, all about Christ. But it's all about Christ in the end times. And so Revelation, in chapter 11, it talks about seven trumpets that go before Jesus returns and brings his people home. So seven trumpets happen Mm. before the second coming of Jesus. Well,
0: uh, we have the six of the trumpets Mm -hmm. in eight and nine. Mm -hmm. But in... Uh, 11 we have the seventh trumpet there you go so there's um, a gap there's a gap and what's interesting is after that last trumpet we have i think a verse that you've got referenced mm-hmm. here in your notes do you want me to read that out for you absolutely read really. it um this is the, the last verse of chapter 11 19 the temple of god was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple and there were light, lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and a great hail.
1: Wow, that's beautiful. Mm. So we read of the the seventh tr- the seventh trumpet, and again we're drawn back to the ark. And where is the ark? It's in heaven, right? Yes. And so we're we're brought back to the fact that the ark is leading the the Israelites back into the promised land. Jesus goes before us into heaven, and uh, but he's coming back for us, right? Mm. And so how does how does this come back to the second coming well the the bible says in uh joshua in chapter six as we were just reading there's seven trumpets that went before the ark this is before the people were going into the promised land remember? Mm-hmm. so this is the last obstacle yeah 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 so seven trumpets went before the ark um and it was carried around jericho there was a great shout and then the walls came tumbling down let's go to uh first thessalonians chapter four verse 16. So we've just read that before Jesus' second coming in Revelation, seven trumpets happen. Mm. There's seven trumpets that, that are sounded that come before Jesus' second coming. It's interesting because seven trumpets went before the walls came down of Jericho, the last obstacle. And what do you think is the last obstacle between us and, and, and heaven in, in, in the last days? Uh, sin? Sin, absolutely. And what does sin cause? Death. Death, right? Ultimately mm. death. And so death, a- along with sin, but sin is death's companion, or death is sin's companion. And so in First Thessalonians, it talks about uh, death as our last uh, our last uh, obstacle um, in coming to heaven. Let's read First uh, Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with
0: the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ
1: will rise first. Okay, so Jesus returns with what? The, a shout? Mm. What happened when the people shouted? Walls came tumbling the down. The walls came tumbling down. And it said that he comes with the trumpet of God, right? Yep, yep. And so the trumpets went before. So the trumpets went, and there was a shout, and then the walls of Jericho, the last obstacle, came tumbling down. Yeah. And so this <coughs> connects to the walls of the grave. Come tumbling down, the dead rise, and the people are then brought to heaven, our promised land, just as the people of Israel continued from Jericho, where the walls came tumbling down into the promised land. That is a really cool parallel. That is awesome. It's beautiful. And so um, another verse that just has come to my mind is, that um, Jesus carries the keys to death and Hades. Mm-hmm. And so he unlocks that gate that is shut in. We can't, we can't get out without Christ. And he has uh, purchased the keys to unlock those, um, those gates. And he, when he comes back with that shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, those walls will come tumbling down just like Jericho. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people will walk um, to their freedom with Christ.
0: And I might just read, I think a really good way to wrap up might just be to read these last two verses in First um, Thessalonians 4, and I think this basically sums up really what we've been talking about. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. We're finally able to dwell in the presence of God. It's amazing. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Mm. Mm. And I hope that to our listeners today, this has been a great comfort because Mm. that's really what we've been talking about all this time, right? Um, The fact that that final obstacle is uh, done away with, that Jesus took the penalty of sin and of death, and that with that shout, with that trumpet, uh, we're going to be taken into heaven with our God. That's right. That's his goal. Awesome. Oh, that was a really satisfying discussion. I enjoyed that. All right. Well, uh, Alex, do you have any recommended
1: readings for us? I do. My recommended reading is The Cross and Its Shadow by Stephen Haskell. Awesome. So make sure to check that one out, guys. Definitely worth giving a read. It certainly is. Christopher, where
0: can these people find you? These people can find me here every week. Every week. Every fortnight in the Upper Summon Podcast. Uh, which is now available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Podbean, anywhere you can get your podcasts. You guys know where it's at. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook. That way you get sermons, you get everything a week in advance. How awesome is that? Uh, Also, make sure to check out our Mighty Warrior Ministries website. We have so much good stuff on there. We have Bible studies. We have articles that come out every fortnight as well. Uh, we have a whole lot of good stuff for you to look forward to. We just released an article this week titled, Sins of the Father Starting the Fire. Make sure to go check that one out. I think it's worth a decent read. Uh, No bias. I didn't write it. What am I saying? Anyways, go check it out. It's definitely um, a great website for all the resources that you could need for sharing the gospel with other people. Thank you so much for supporting us, guys, and for listening in with us. That concludes today's podcast, and we have hope you've been blessed as we've discussed the sermon, Vessel of Promise. Make sure to come back in a fortnight for another episode, and with that said, have a good one and good night.